everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. If I were to ask people, what is your favorite passage of the Old Testament? I bet they would say the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me beside, etc., etc. And what I want us to do in this half hour is go word by word through the 23rd Psalm written by King David, 1000 BC. King David himself used to be a shepherd. But as an adult, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. So if you need it, take out your Bible, turn to Psalm 23. You might know this one by heart. Let's go through probably the most famous passage of the Old Testament. Let's pray first. Father, we do want to pray that for all those that are watching this program, that if they don't have you yet as their shepherd, that they would turn their lives over to you and begin to follow you as their Lord and shepherd. God, those of us who are Christians, we pray that you would just speak to us now. May we learn about who our shepherd is. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 23. Do you know what the word psalm means? Literally, it means song to stringed instruments. The book of Psalms in the Old Testament, do you realize that's a song book? That's the hymns that they used to sing in the Old Testament temple. So when you read the book of Psalms, they were all sung in the Old Testament temple. Uh, Psalm 23, here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. The word Lord there is the word Jehovah or Yahweh. Literally, the Yahweh's letters is I am who I am. And you remember in Exodus chapter 3, about 1400 BC, God says to Moses out of the burning bush, here's my name, Moses, Yahweh. Actually, he said, I am who I am. And that's kind of what the word Yahweh means. So here's the first lesson from the 23rd Psalm. God has a personal name. Now, you don't really get that in Buddhism, for instance. Buddhism is, does not have a personal God. In fact, you can be an atheist and be a Buddhist because Buddhism is more a philosophy of how to get rid of suffering. So, you know, God is kind of a pantheistic blurb if there is a God for a Buddhist. But in Christianity, God is transcendent. That means he's separate from his creation. A pantheist believes God is his creation. The New Age movement is big into pantheism. I'm God, you're God, the trees are God, the rocks are God. I get tired of turning on public television and seeing people like, like Wayne Dyer preaching New Age religion on public TV. They won't have somebody like me on public television, but they'll put all these New Age teachers, and they teach that God is everything and everything is God. It's called pantheism. The 23rd Psalm says, no, Yahweh is a personal God. He's transcendent. He's separate from his creation. Therefore, somebody said, well, Pastor Brock, now they're having Christian yoga in my church. Is that a good thing? And I said, no, it's not. You don't mix pantheism with the transcendent God. The Lord is, next word, my 
shepherd. Next lesson. David had a personal relationship with God. He's my shepherd. Do you have a personal relationship with God? If you read the Psalms, many of which were written by King David, he's always talking to God about something. Whether he's up, whether he's down, David is continually talking to God. Do you have a personal relationship with God? I, I've shared this on this TV show before, but I remember when this happened to me. Because when I was a little boy, I said the same prayer every night. God bless Mommy, Daddy, the Ranger, our Father, our in heaven. Uh, now I lay me down to sleep. And I prayed the exact same thing. But then about age 13, I start reading my Bible every night. And I started to talk to God on and off in my head all day long. I still do. <laughs> do you have a personal relationship with God? The Lord is my, next word, shepherd. Here's the next lesson. Jesus is God. Now, you might say, well, how do you get that out of the 23rd Psalm? Well, follow this. David, writing 1000 B.C., says, the Lord is my shepherd. A thousand years later, Jesus shows up and he says, I am the good shepherd. What we have here is a number of places in the New Testament, they'll take an Old Testament verse that applied to God and they'll apply it to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is God. <laughs> and despite what Jehovah's Witnesses and other heretics teach, the Bible is very clear that Jesus is God. John chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 2, it's in there. And, and now, did David understand that Jesus was God? No. The doctrine of the Trinity and one God and three persons, that would not be revealed till the New Testament. But here you get a glimpse that David didn't quite know exactly uh, who his shepherd was, but we find out later in the New Testament. The Lord is my shepherd, next words, I shall not want. Now, were you confused as a kid by those words? I was. And in fact, I think I remember in church saying to my sister, Ruthann, aren't we supposed to want the Lord? What do you mean the Lord is my shepherd? I shall not want. And, you know, then she explained, or somebody did, it means I shall not be in want. So here's the next lesson. The shepherd provides. It's the shepherd's job to provide for the sheep. It's God's job to provide for us. Do you trust God to provide for you? Charles Spurgeon was the great preacher back in the 1800s, and he told this story about his grandfather. He said, my grandfather was a poor gospel preacher who lived on the farm, had many children. They had one cow where they got their milk to feed the children. One day, the cow died, and his wife was very upset. How are we going to feed the children? Well, he said, mother, God is our provider. While this was going on in London, miles away, a group of men were sitting around a table, a group of men that didn't even know personally Spurgeon's grandfather, and they said, well, how should we divvy this money up? And one said, well, I know of a preacher over in Essex County, and he's a godly man, poor man. And so they just they took a lump of money, sent it to, to Spurgeon's grandfather. Got it, the, he got it in the mail, and Spurgeon's grandfather said to his wife, now, honey, can't you trust God about an old cow? <laughs> the point is, God's job is to provide for his sheep. So trust him and try not to worry. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Next words, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Here's the next lesson. The shepherd provides good food. Because if you're a sheep, you want green grass. 
God's job is to provide us not just with food, but with good food. Do you know that way back in the early 1800s, they're populating Australia with sheep. There are no sheep in Australia. So a big boat leaves London, sails all the way to Australia with a flock of sheep. Had a lot of dry hay on board. When they finally got near Australia, a fog settled in on the banks, and they couldn't land the ship. And was it for two or three days? I can't remember. They couldn't land the ship, and the sheep stopped eating the dry, dry hay on board. And the owners were afraid they were going to lose the sheep. Well, the fog lifted. They landed the sheep. The sheep went up on the green grass and grazed on the hillsides. What had happened was, while the sheep were offshore, they could smell the green grass, and it made them lo lose all their appetite for the dry hay. <laughs> Do you ever get sick of this world? Listen, Christians, we need to turn off TV a lot more than we do. Don't read, you know, National Enquirer. Don't watch things like, you know, Jerry Springer or all these TV gossip shows. You feed on that stuff, you'll get sick. We need to feed on the Word of God. There's great Christian uh, television. There's great Christian radio stations. I know somebody who went to Boston for vacation. He said you can't, it's very hard to find a Christian radio station in Boston. We've got a number of them in the Twin Cities. So everybody, turn off your TV, turn off garbage radio, and spend a lot more time eating the green grass, or you'll get sick. <laughs> Next words. He leads me beside still waters. Here's the next lesson. The shepherd leads. It's the job of the shepherd to lead, and Christians, it's the job of the sheep to follow. <laughs> You know, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Our job as Christians is to follow, not lead. God's job is to lead. Our job is to follow. Therefore, I don't get it when somebody says they're a Christian and they vote for pro-abortion candidates. I don't get that. A friend of mine said this week, if you vote for pro-abortion candidates, you have blood on your hands. I believe that. I don't get it. If you say you're the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America in Minneapolis and St. Paul, did you read this recently? Overwhelmingly, over 90%, both of those Lutheran synods voted to oppose marriage being one man and one woman in the state of Minnesota. Hello? I'll say it again. This ain't my grandma's Lutheran Church. Listen, our job as sheep is to follow. I'll give you an example. Do you know that once upon a time, Holland used to be a very Christian nation? They were all Reformed Calvinists. Uh, Holland, once upon a time, had a very Christian culture. Today, prostitution is legal in Holland. Drug use is legal in Holland. I had a few hours layover in Holland some time ago, so I walked around the streets of Amsterdam. You could smell urine. You could smell marijuana. Porn stores were everywhere. N Half-naked women standing in, in, in windowsills uh, doing prostitution. And you, you walk through the city and you, you felt like you needed a shower. That's what you get if you stop following the shepherd. And you know what's happening in Holland? The Muslims are moving in. The people of Holland are very scared that they're losing their culture and that Islam is taking over. And you know what I thought of? All right, God says, you don't want to follow me? Okay, you get Islam. <laughs> Christian, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. But you've got to follow him. 
to get those still waters. Pray that America repents and comes back to the true shepherd or will become Holland in no time. Next words. He restores my soul. Here's the next lesson. Let the shepherd restore you. King David one day would commit the sin of his life, adultery with Bathsheba, and then he murdered her husband Uriah to cover it up. And once the guilt finally hits him, he writes the 51st Psalm, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and restore a right spirit within me, and restore unto me, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Let me say this. If you've committed some grievous sin that is troubling you, let the Lord restore you. Ask God to forgive you. Ask Jesus to wash you of your sins through what he did on the cross. Don't kick yourself the rest of your life. Receive the forgiveness of God and move on. There's a story of a young man who was found frozen to death in a cabin in Alberta, Canada. In his hand, he clutched a letter. Uh, they pried it out of his dead hand and it said, Dear Mother, I'm freezing here and I don't think anyone is coming to rescue me. My rations have run out. But the one thing I keep wondering, Mother, is will God forgive my sins? And that's how he died. You don't have to die like that. You can know Jesus. You can know your sins are forgiven because let the shepherd, once you've sinned, restore your soul. He restoreth my soul. Next words. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here's the next lesson. Sheep go through the valleys. Nowhere does it say in the 23rd Psalm, God's going to spare us from going through the valleys. My gripe with many TV preachers, they're into this health and wealth theology, which is false teaching. And they, they, if you believe hard enough, God's always going to heal you. You're going to get money. You're going to prosper. You're going to be healthy. No. No, the Bible doesn't quite teach that. Uh, what it teaches is we go through the same crud as everybody else, but we got a shepherd to get us through the crud. That's the difference between us and unbelievers. I was visiting a dear woman in the hospital, Christian lady, and going through a lot of sorrow. I said to her, isn't the world full of sorrow? And she said, yes, and our Lord is there to get us through every one. <laughs> The Lord is my shepherd. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Here's the next lesson. God is omnipresent. That's what the words, you are with me, means. God is omnipresent. Do you know the three omnis of God? This is the first thing I learned when I was 12 years old in confirmation class. God is omnipotent, omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omniscient, that means he knows everything. And he's omnipresent, that means he exists everywhere. And when you come to understand the 23rd Psalm, that no matter where you're at, the Lord, even the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord is still with me. It helps you get through life. You know, I'll share something kind of embarrassing here, but... I was a real neurotic kid, and when I went to bed, my brother and I shared a bedroom, and we each had our own single bed, but when the lights would go out, my brother was asleep, because if I did it when he was awake, he'd be angry. I would push my bed next to his. I had to sleep with my rear end on my brother's bed, and you know why? Because I knew there were thieves in the closet, and I just was scared. When I got to be 12 years old, my sister goes to college, I have to get my own bedroom by myself. I thought it was going to kill me, and it was hard for a few weeks. And then, I don't know, something broke, and I wasn't so scared anymore. 
And then by the time I was 16, I was able to go to our cabin in the woods where all by myself, totally dark at night, wasn't scared a bit. And once you understand the omnipresence of God, that no matter where you're at, he's there with you, it helps. Now, you could ask the hard question about the omnipresence of God. What about Christians who are lying in their bed at night, the thief breaks in and kills them in their bedroom? Where was the omnipresent God then? Well, I, I think there's an answer. The omnipresent God was there to take that soul, the minute the bullet went into their skull, to take that soul out of this awful earth into heaven. <laughs> Point is, God is omnipresent. He's either omnipresent down here or up there, but he always takes care one way or another of his sheep. Saint Chrysostom lived about the year 400 AD and he was being exiled by Princess Eudoxia who didn't like him and she was kicking him out of the country. He preached a sermon before he left and here is what his sermon read. What can I fear? Will it be death? But Jesus is my life. Will it be exile? But the earth in all its fullness is the Lord's. Will it be loss of wealth? But I brought nothing into the world, and I can carry nothing out. So if they banish me, I shall be like Elijah. If they throw me in the pit, like Jeremiah. If they plunge me in the sea, like Jonah. If they throw me into the pit, and if they stone me, uh, like if they throw me into the pit, like Daniel. If they stone me, like Stephen. Uh, if they cut my head off, like John the Baptist. Uh, Paul, if they hit me with stripes. Isaiah, if they saw me in two. And, and the point there. Chrysostom is saying, they can do whatever they want. God is still omnipresent. He's going to take care of me either down here or up there. Next lesson. For thou art with me. Thy rod and they, thy staff, they comfort me. Let's talk about the word, your rod. That means that God clubs our enemies. The, the rod is the stick that the shepherd holds so that if the wolf comes, he beats the, the wolves away to protect the sheep. Do you know whether you knew it or not, how many times God has protected you? <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, quickly I'll share this story. Take it for what you think it's worth. But once I was in downtown San Diego waiting for the bus, and I wanted to sightsee. So it's about 9 at night, and I'm walking around the bus depot in San Diego, and it was a rough area of town, but I did it anyway. Later that night, I, I, I take the bus up to Los Angeles, stay overnight with some friends. I woke up in the middle of the night, and there was this tall figure standing over my bed. I couldn't make it out, but it was like a shadow. I thought it was my angel. And I think whether you know it or not, the rod and thy staff, the, God has protected you from your enemies more than we know. <laughs> Next word, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Do you know what the staff is? The staff is the stick that has the hook on the end of it that the shepherd holds. So here's the next lesson. Praise God for his discipline. The shepherd, if the sheep is about to go over the cliff, the shepherd takes the crook and pulls the leg, and it might hurt the sheep, but it saves its life. Has God ever disciplined you to get you close to him? Praise God, even though I don't like discipline either. Hebrews chapter 12 says praise God for it because God is using that to keep us close to him. There was a story of a tourist walking through Switzerland and here comes a shepherd with a, crowd of, with a flock of sheep, but the, a lamb was right next to his leg the whole time. And the shepherd goes, the, the tourist says to the shepherd, why is that lamb right next to you? And the shepherd said, because I broke its leg. 
on purpose? Yes, I have learned. This lamb used to wander. I, I almost lost this lamb a number of times, but I have learned as the shepherd, if I break its leg, it has to be right next to me while it's healing. And once the leg is healed, he's next to me the rest of his life. <laughs> has God ever had to break your leg, get your attention, do something to discipline you? Praise God for that. Otherwise, you'd be over the cliff. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, the rest is a different image. So far, God's been the shepherd. Now the image is God is the host who gives us a party. And he says this, uh, Yea, though I let's see, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, uh, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's the last lesson. God provides goodness and mercy in this life and in the next. Do you know in the Old Testament, heaven and hell are not clearly taught. They're in there. There are a few verses that hint at heaven and hell. But to get to the whole story, you've got to get the New Testament teaching on the afterlife. Here's one of the places that it hints about heaven. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And the point of this is we get some of that now, but boy for the goodness and mercy that is coming. And I'll, I'll close with this. You've heard of Uncle Tom's Cabin, written by Harriet Beecher Stowe, read widely before the Civil War, and you know the story. Harriet Beecher Stowe meets President Lincoln, and Lincoln says to her, so here's the little lady who started the great big war. Well, in the story of Uncle Tom's Cabin, mean slave master Simon Legree is beating his slave Uncle Tom. And Simon Legree says, how would you like to be tied to a tree and have a slow fire lit up around ye, Tom? Wouldn't that be pleasant? Master said, Tom, I know ye can do dreadful things, but after ye've killed my body, there ain't no more ye can do. And oh, there's all eternity to come after that. Master Legree, I ain't afeard to die. I'd as soon die as not. Ye may whip me, starve me, burn me. It'll only send me sooner where I want to go. And Uncle Tom's point is, we get some mercy and grace in this life, but the real grace and mercy is coming forever. Let's, let's sum it all up. The Lord, Jehovah, he's a personal God, he's not a pantheistic blurb, is my shepherd. You've got to have a personal relationship with Christ. Christ is our shepherd. Old Testament verse calls God our shepherd. New Testament, Jesus says, I am the shepherd, Jesus is God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in one, because he takes care of me. His job is to lead and provide, but Christians, our job is to follow. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, you talked about Jehovah and Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Are those exclusively regarding God? Yeah. Or is that another name for Jesus as well? We've talked about Jesus as Lord. Right. And you know, actually, I am who I am. God, God, Moses says at the burning bush, 1300 B.C., God, who are you? I am who I am. That's God's name. The first letter of each of those, Y-H-W-H in Hebrew, is Yahweh or Jehovah, either one. And so, is Jesus Jehovah? Is he Yahweh? The answer's got to be yes to that. Now, God the Father... Son, Holy Spirit. We normally think of God the Father as Yahweh. But again, Jackie, you've got a number of places in the New Testament where something in the Old Testament is quoted that was a direct reference to Jehovah, but it's referred to Jesus in the New Testament. 
Okay. And again, I don't think even the disciples understood all this till after the resurrection. You okay. Know. Yeah. Um, you talked about pantheism. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can we go a little further here? Because there's so many things now that never were talked about before. Mm -hmm. So pantheism, okay. pantheism you the, talked about? Yeah. Pan means everything. Theos means God. Pantheism. Pantheism is the teaching everything is God. The trees are God, the rocks are God, you're God, I'm God. Shirley MacLaine is into pantheism. Oprah kind of a little bit is into pantheism. Uh, Oprah said, I used to believe Jesus came to earth to die for our sins. Now I see he came to get us in touch with our own inner Christ consciousness. In other words, we're all Christ, we're all God. So, uh, yeah, you don't mix Christianity with pantheism. Okay, because there's a lot of theisms around mm -hmm. these days. You've mm -hmm. got pantheism you just talked about. How about polytheism? Poly, po the word poly means many. Theos means God. A pantheist would be a Hindu. Uh, excuse me, a polytheist would be a Hindu. They believe in many gods. Mormons believe in many gods. Mormons believe in thousands of gods. People think people thinks Mormons are good Christian people. They're not Christian people. Christians believe in one God. We don't believe in thousands of gods. Mormonism believes in polytheism. How about monotheism? Monotheism means one God. Christians so are monotheists. We are monotheists. Jews are monotheists. Muslims are monotheists. Now. The question is, do we all worship the same one God? I don't think so, because <laughs> Jesus said, if you don't honor me, you don't honor my Father. So, but those three are the three monotheistic religions. When did this become such a big thing to have all these theisms? Because growing up, you no, never heard it, about Jackie, it. Jackie, you and I grew up in, in, in an era where, in fact, it, it's only recently that Christianity has been on the wane. Christianity has been the dominant religion. Christianity and secondarily Judaism. Now we have a lot of people from other cultures moving here and we have the church uh, dying out because it's becoming so unbiblical in certain areas. So we were raised in, in the Christian, if you will, America, but we're, America's changing. Okay. Tom, we're down to just about a minute left okay. and I want to thank all of our viewers for being with us this week. But I'm going to ask Tom to close because so many people are asking how is things going with the ministry and what's happening. and. We've done some changes, so let yep. Tom tell you. Thanks, Jackie. Well, everybody, we are now on various spots around the country. We've been on Channel 6 here in the Twin Cities on cable TV for 23 years, but now we're also on WHT on a satellite around the country every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central Time. So you may be watching this on WHT, or you're watching it on Channel 45 in the Twin Cities, our new non-cable broadcast channel. It is kind of a leap of faith that we did this. It's a lot of money, and we'd love to stay on the air, but it costs about $50,000 every six months to stay on the air with all these channels. So I'm just going to ask our, our viewers, pray for us. Pray that if it's God's will, the funds will come in for us to continue to do this. If the Lord would nudge you to give a gift, big or small, you can go to pastorstudy.org and do that online, or you can see the address at the end of the program. And and do it that way. But God bless you. Keep us in your prayers, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294. Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Interested in purchasing this show or a past show on DVD? 
How about an audio CD from the pastor's study on radio? Or perhaps you simply want to watch a past show from our archives. You can do this and many more on our website. We invite you to visit us at www.pastorstudy.org.